the kids felt um, really kind of empowered and they were they felt respected that we had enough faith in them to be able to handle this kind of a project and to really be able to get their voice out there uh, as opposed to some of the other types of things that you do in the classroom that this you know really kind of elevated it. When we think of communication in the classroom typically writing and speaking are the first things that come to mind but these two modes of communication don't always let all of our students have a chance to shine. We talked to a couple teachers who took on a unique project that used digital storytelling and visual storytelling to let students tell the story they wanted. I'm Chris Zirkel, a digital learning coordinator for the Southern and Southeastern areas. And I'm Katie Haywood, a digital learning coordinator for the Western area. Welcome to Digital Learning, hosted by the Wake County Public School System where inspiring educators provide insight into their experiences with digital learning. You can follow us on Apple, Anchor, Spotify, and Google. To access our show notes, visit us at dlc.wcpss.net. There you will find your local area digital learning coordinators who you can reach out to for support with digital learning. You will find our monthly newsletter, our podcast episodes, our lunch and learn sessions, and other valuable resources. Um, I'm Holly Moran Bates, and I teach seventh grade language arts at Davis Drive Middle School. I'm Elizabeth Kroll. I'm the academically and intellectually gifted teacher at Davis Drive Middle School. So the project is for um, our EL module two, and EL has um, the module has a topic of working conditions then and now, and we look at Liddy as the then and we look at Cesar Chavez as the now and then at the end they have um, kind of like a brochure project that they wanted us to do that lets the kids explore working conditions um, in a more modern context and so what we Elizabeth and I were talking about was kind of how to um, pull that into even a more modern context um, in terms of the format and so Elizabeth had the idea of a documentary and we thought, well, what better place to put a documentary than thinking about working conditions? It kind of just lends itself to that. When we sat down to try to brainstorm, what can we do uh, for a final project? I thought, you know, I've always wanted to try documentaries and I think this would be a great place to do that. And the material is out there, the information is out there for the students. Um, and so it gave them a chance to really buy into what they were creating and um, and work towards the goal of this documentary while hitting all the standards that we needed to along the way. What was really great about the process Holly and Elizabeth went through was that they really started with the standards. They looked at the content, they looked at the objectives, and they thought about what format would work. Yeah, they really didn't try to shoehorn in the technology just to include technology, but they really thoughtfully and intentionally found a place that would benefit from this more advanced, so to speak, form of communication. And I think because this, the EL has it as being a research-based project at the end, 
um, the, the research piece just lends itself to documentary. Um, I mean, you think about like with social studies, that's a lot of how the presentations are done. How do I get this information across to the kids is to watch a documentary on whatever the topic is. Um, and they're going to be a lot more engaged because they get the visuals, they get the audio, they're getting to see all that and the interaction and it makes it feel more real rather than just writing another kind of research paper. So it was kind of a combination of Holly looking at it from the EL perspective and me looking at it from the, you know, and Wanda looking at it from the technical, how do we get it to combine nicely to the um, final product that we were looking for? So I, I looked at what the standards were and what the expectations were for the EL curriculum um, and for their project. And then I kind of melded those two things together. And then Elizabeth's always been fantastic at being um, my editor <laughs> and making sure um, that I'm including, you know, good directions and all of those pieces in there. And then we worked a lot together on how to get the format. Uh, of what we wanted, like what did we want our end result to be, um, what were the steps along the way, uh, and then we pulled in um, Wanda also um, to try and help us out with some of the logistics of using some of the resources that are out there. Yeah, and there's another model of engagement that looks at three areas where kids can be engaged um, emotionally, cognitively, and behaviorally. And what's great about this documentary project is that the kids really seem to be engaged on all of those levels. Emotionally, this was their story to tell. They had a voice and a real audience and were working in a medium that they naturally gravitate towards anyways. So we sat down together and kind of came up with uh, a plan on uh, how to get the kids to really think about what's happening in the world now in different countries and in different industries. And it's really about helping them to be kind of advocates too. I try and teach the kids that, you know, even though they're seventh graders, they still have a voice in the world. And I think the documentary helps them to kind of see that what's actually happening out there in the wide world. And it gives them an actual voice because they're doing a voiceover in the documentary. You know, with seventh graders, we're in that, we're the middle of the middle. So we also want to make sure that we're keeping them engaged. And having this format, I think, really gave them an opportunity um, to do that. And it was fun because we also did a, a, a film festival. So they got to share their films um, with family as well. So I think that was also a source of pride, which is different than when you're doing an essay. I mean, essays are important, but there's definitely just a difference when you're doing something like this. So. Well, I had just seen um, some other projects out there, and I thought that this would be something that our students would really be excited about. They're into technology. They're into, you know, the video making or the um, recordings and creating their own videos. So it was a way for us to incorporate the EL curriculum and the expectations and the standards and get the students involved and working together and um, having this product that they would be proud of to eventually be able to share with others. This product's unique in that there are a couple of different levels of cognitive engagement here. The kids had to think about the content and the information to tell a story, but then they also had to think about the idea of communication to an authentic audience. And that audience can range from their peers to teachers to their parents to the world, really, depending on where they're going to publish this. And I like that uh, in this particular case, they had their film festival. So they really did have that authentic audience. And, you know, when you can do that, 
we, when you can have kids' products go out beyond the walls of the classroom, it really does add that level of motivation sometimes where the kids are like, okay, uh, this is, this is real world now. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to really get into it. I also think that knowing who their intended audience is and knowing that it is going to be viewed by more than just their teacher helps increase that engagement and really helps them think about their tone, their delivery, their style, and the voice that they want to portray in what they're communicating. As far as communication to the audience, we thought that that was an important piece because they had to think of who their audience was. What are they trying to portray in the writing and the um, music they chose and the pictures or videos or, um, you know, interviews, all of those things, they were trying to, you know, communicate the information to the um, viewer. So that is a very different lens than what most assignments are these days, you know, when they're writing the essays or creating something else. So how they communicated the information to the viewers that would be watching this film um, was an important piece of that. They had to think about their audience and how they were going to respond. And the fact was that they were going to actually see their audience respond because we had a film festival. So they sat there in the audience while their families and other families watched their video. And I think that piece of it too, it's always different when you send it off right to your teacher and I read it and grade it and my, you know, and I leave little comments and it's completely different when you're thinking about your audience is actually there watching what you're doing and they're reacting. And I think that that added a different level that they hadn't experienced in a different type of, of setting with this. What I really also love about this project is that they have to go beyond just thinking with words. There's this added element of thinking about how to communicate with visuals and sounds, too. That's something that most kids don't necessarily think about. They might do it unintentionally through visual and musical platforms like TikTok, but putting this documentary together, they had it to be so intentional. Yeah, and th that's what makes storytelling in a visual media so interesting because, you know, they're thinking about the images and the words and the sounds. And so there's this whole almost subconscious level of communication, um, you know, kind of, kind of a weird metaphor, but almost like, you know, pheromones in the insect world um, where we're, we're, we're getting this tone or we're getting this message subconsciously that we might not realize it. You know, like when, um, when you watch a horror movie and it's so less scary when you turn the sound off, right? Yeah, documentary is probably one of my favorite formats to produce uh, videos in. And I think that uh, I use a lot of B-roll because if you figure... If the camera is just on the subject that's talking the whole entire time, there's so much more that can be communicated through B-roll. So if you display an image or a video clip of what they're referring to, it can really deepen what you're trying to communicate by using other media on top of the person that's actually speaking. So Holly and Elizabeth shared some of the things that their kids grappled with while they were making their documentary. I mean, I definitely think they had to pay attention to um, tone, which is something that they don't necessarily always pay attention to because how we speak and present ourselves. Um, we had a lot of kids who, you know, we, we talked about like if this is a serious documentary, you know, when you're presenting that to the audience, you have to think about the words that you're choosing, 
right? Really thinking about the rhetorical devices because it's it's like a speech that you're giving. And so you want to pull the reader along your journey and ultimately you want them to agree with whatever it is that you're conveying. And so there was a lot of talk about using persuasive language. Um, and even though when they write that in, in an essay, it's different when you have to say it out loud. Um, and I think that that piece was definitely there. Um, well, and I think going back to the tone as far as, you know, the speaking, but also the music, is it, a you know, when they were choosing music, is it appropriate for um, the topic? You know, if this is a very serious topic, we don't want, you know, lots of lively, loud music or just the volume of the music and making sure you can hear uh, the speaker over the music and it doesn't interfere. Uh, this was probably the first time that most, if not all of them, had ever had to think about videos, pictures, music, and um, the speech all combining into one project. So it was all the different pieces and what would keep the audience's attention, you know, like changing the music or changing the um, voice. When would, if we're going to have multiple people doing the voiceovers, when is a good time to change that voice to keep the audience's attention? Um, and how we wanted to, how they wanted to set that up. Because, you know, some of these were, a little longer than others, but it was because they got so incited and into it and they wanted to share that, but they also needed to make sure that what they were sharing was um, unique and had the ability to capture, you know, the information appropriately and um, keep the audience involved. So combining all of those within a group setting and everyone agreeing and then combining those different details into the project, I think made it really um, a unique environment to work in. One aspect that surprised me about this whole project was the response from students. You know, when you do something like this, you know, that's something more authentic and unique and really kind of tech involved, you kind of expect that the students might get excited about it. But in this case, though, Holly and Elizabeth not only got that response, but they got some additional responses and feedback that really demonstrated the power of students having the chance to tell the story. I would say probably, Elizabeth, of all the projects that we did, um, this was the, the favorite project um, because we, we definitely try and offer choice um, as we go through the, with our different modules, and I try to do different things. But this was, I think, the project that sparked um, the kids the most. They were most excited just to be able to use the technology to make the videos and just the concept of it, I think, um, really got them um, vested. And it, it was attractive to a lot of students that wouldn't normally um, kind of go outside their comfort zone necessarily, but because it was something new and different and they've seen documentaries on TV, they've you know, they watch all these things online and all this, you know, there's so much out there now. I think that sparked a lot of excitement and curiosity into just, wow, we can do this in school, you know, and it's our project and they'll be able to learn from it as well um, going forward. So I think that kind of brought it 
you know, brought that excitement um, to the project. Yeah, we, we heard from a lot of parents, too, that um, the kids felt um, really kind of empowered and they were they felt respected that we had enough faith in them to be able to handle this kind of a project and to really be able to get their voice out there uh, as opposed to some of the other types of things that you do in the classroom that this you know really kind of elevated it and we I did get a lot of parent feedback that said that that was why the kids really um, enjoyed this project is because they knew that uh, you know, we had a lot of faith in them and we were saying, yeah, you can do this. Uh, it's going to be a tough project. It's not going to be an easy project, uh, but you're also going to be in seventh grade uh, empowered to use your voice. And I think that that elevated this project from some of the other ones that we did. So if you look at our traditional projects that we have that may be in a paper pencil format, what can we do to level up or how can we transform these projects? into multimedia projects. What would be the thought behind that, the steps to take? How would you go about converting those? Well, I think looking at some of these projects, you know, EL has a project listed for each of their um, their modules and units. And, you know, so looking at that and saying, is there a visual element we can add to this? Or is there a, um, you know, tech-oriented element that we can add if it's kind of like a, a a poster, could they create a, a digital graphic of some sort, or maybe even, um, you know, an, a stop motion or a GIF or something that can just kind of play on those visual elements. Start what's, with what's given and just think about, okay, well, what might the kids want to see? Or what, and even asking them is a great way to get ideas for how to kind of quote unquote level up. Yeah, I've been doing some research on some multimedia projects and been listening to some student samples. And I've just I've heard some products that the students have completed that have just really blown my mind. And I think that if they were restricted to just sticking to maybe a traditional project, not to speak down to these projects or say that, that they're not beneficial or challenging or academic, but I'm just, like you said, giving the students the freedom to even suggest what they may want to do can really open up so many opportunities and allow their skill set and their creativity and their potential really bubble up and come to the surface if we allow for that freedom. And I think that's the key is it's the, it, it's the choice, you know, so for some kids, they may love the idea of designing a brochure. Um, you know, that's still a very relevant media in today's world. And so that might be something that really speaks to some of your kids. So that choice can also be um, a big factor. And we did an episode a little way back about offering choice in these types of assessment um, you know, focusing on the standards, not the the format itself, if you will. And and to that point, to the standards, that's what we have to remember, too, is, you know, Holly and Elizabeth started with the standards. They really said, okay, we're still going to assess the kids on these standards. We're just changing up the format a little bit. So, you know, as long as you're staying true to what you're wanting your kids to demonstrate what they know and can do, um, you know, then you can have that freedom. Yeah, and taking a project and making it a multimedia project in the format of a video and then layering on that being a documentary can really be intimidating to some teachers, can be challenging. There's a lot of technical aspects to that. Students may need to be taught on the tech before they can even get into the content. So how can DLCs play a role in supporting teachers when it comes to a project like this? 
Well, this is just the perfect example. Holly and Elizabeth really relied on their DLCs, which happened to be um, myself and Wanda. Um, and, you know, they, they talk about that process of what it looked like for all of us to collaborate and work together um, to support them through this. From the very beginning, when we started talking about it, I actually contacted um, both of our DLCs and said, hey, we're interested in doing this. Do you have any ideas? Is anybody else doing it? You know, what what's out there for us? And I tend to do that with multiple projects sometimes, when especially when it's brand new and I feel, you know, like, I know we can do it. I just need to know how to start. <laughs> and um, so we met with um, them and, um, you know, they came, helped us come up with rubrics and ideas and shared all this information. And so when we were, um, you know, working on it, Wanda came in and worked with the kids and, you know, you know, spent time kind of going through and helping with the, uh, editing process and everything and so they helped us with the setup and the um, kind of yes you can do this these are some things that you can do yeah this is definitely a collaborative effort because uh, I had never even used iMovie before so I I really didn't have a good starting point we just knew this was something we wanted to do but both Katie and Wanda came in um, and helped us out and we worked with our media center coordinator. It, it was just a really like all, all around effort. Um, just the things that we, we learned as we went and it obviously made it easier when we did it the next year because we had that background. Um, but I think both Katie and Wanda, I think you all came out like several times to our, our school um, and worked with us and also with the kids. And then we kind of learned along with the kids how to do that, uh, all the different things, uh, because there was all that discovery ed stuff that we had, I had no idea about. And Wanda is like the guru of discovery ed. So um, all of those pieces, and I think we just kind of kept building on it um, each year. But I think we, I didn't feel overwhelmed because I knew we had so many different resources and people who are willing to come out and help like hands-on and also email uh, because we even set up a Google Classroom uh, as a team together so that we could post information digitally uh, so you know the resources and stuff I didn't have to create them all and Elizabeth didn't have to create them all we could you know throw everything together and then kind of see what worked best um, for the kids and for us too. And also a lot of it was kids learning as they went too um, and letting them figure it out because I didn't know all the answers and Holly didn't know all the answers and you know none of, very few of us will know all the answers but part of that learning process with the students is letting them figure out you know learn and figure out you know how to do this do this or what works best and going from there. And that, and that has continued on throughout the years. I know we've contacted, you know, Katie and Wanda, you know, each year about it or, you know, kind of filled them in on what's going on. And this year with everything being remote, it was, you know, it's a whole different conversation as far as how we can do the project. But we're still reaching out to them and they're helping us through. You know, we met with them remotely to help us figure out we still want to do this this is a great you know thing for our students how can we do this 
in this you know remote learning setting. So the four C's really jumps into my mind as far as the four C's. You know, does this type of project touch on that? What, what do you think about uh, the four C's in this type of project? Oh my gosh, like it touched on all four, you know, Um, they had to have that critical thinking to really choose what music, what images to use, what words to say. Um, You know, they had to have that creativity too, to to kind of put it all together. And um, of course, there's the collaboration when you're working in any group project. But then the biggest piece is that communication. And, you know, Holly kind of spoke to the idea of two forms of communication the kids were creating this project to speak to an audience, to communicate with an audience, but they also had to communicate with each other while they were developing it. And communication is so important, but it is a skill that we have to teach kids and we have to give them practice with. And so that's what's so great about this project is it touched on all four of those C's, but it really did focus on that communication. And it used this visual mode of communication that kids are already used to. They are such visual content consumers as it is that it really, really, I think, excited them. I think the students just in general respond to visuals. I mean, I think if you get down to like, I mean, that's why kids books are picture books, right? The visuals is the idea that they tell a thousand, a thousand words. And I think for a lot of kids to, um, you know, storytelling is in pictures. They're taking pictures on their phone. They're they're taking videos of things. They're not writing essays about their life. Um, they're not, you know, doing. And so I think that's a natural mode for them to think in terms of that, um, you know, movies and, and the YouTube videos and all of that. It's, it's all visual. And so I think it plays into kind of where kids are in a, in a modern context. Um, but I think also, too, it just we saw it reached a lot of kids, I think, that um, some of the traditional things, uh, ways of telling who you are don't. Because if you are struggle struggle as a writer, um, you can still present your story, right, with pictures and images. And, you know, this the collaborative setting helped with that as well. And, you know, it, it gave them, I think, just another way of expressing themselves uh, and expressing the topic. Because a lot of them can visualize and see things uh, that are hard for them to get from their mind down onto a piece of paper when they're writing. And so I, I think it, it helped enhance that piece. So, you know, Chris, we like to focus on one of the North Carolina digital learning standards for every episode. And of course, this one focuses on that creative communicator standard. Um, but I think what really spoke out to me is the sub standard in that one that says students communicate complex ideas clearly and effectively by creating or using a variety of digital objects. And this project is just a perfect example of how they had to communicate these complex ideas um, in a very efficient way. So, you know, this is a great example of that standard. And if you'd like to work with your students on this type of project, but you'd like some support with the technology aspects of it, or designing the project, the rubric, working with the students, student support, feel free to reach out to your local area DLCs. For show notes and resources, visit dlc.wcpss.net. You can listen to our podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts.